evening, and welcome on in to another episode of Outdoor Adventures. Quack, quack, vroom, vroom, and a honk, honk to you. I'm Stan Poggle, your host, and my co-host, legendary guide, freshwater fishing Hall of Famer Chris Kuduk is on the line, and I tell you what, I'm waiting for that invite, Kuduk. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. All those tulipies you have, you just have oodles and oodles of them. When, when are we having the big uh, smoke fest? Well, they're getting smoked as we speak. Tony, Tony uh, and little Pee-Pee are uh, they're cleaning them and smoking them. They had, they had I think, 15 or 20 in the smoker the, yesterday or this morning. So I would think uh, yeah, we should have them by the middle of the week, and then we're going to uh, probably go back and catch some more. Yeah, it looks like you've just been slaughtering them up there. I feel sorry for those those poor little fellas. Well, I'll tell you what. We had the, the boys from Focus Outdoors, uh, Orker and, and his, uh, D- uh, Denny Foster from South Dakota. Them guys have never fished tulipies, and they want to do a tulipie shoot. So uh, we went up Wednesday, and I gave the guys, uh, you know, the tungsten jigs we used. We have flashers on them. Like I said, these guys have never ever fished tool piece before, mm-hmm. so I, uh, you know, we got we got all set up with uh, custom jigs and spoon, and, and they the, the other guy was using uh, I think JB lures. We had we had a gamut of everything on Wednesday catching fish, and you, what you do is when you're catching these tool pieces, you're using very very small panfish jigs. I mean, small stuff, and you load them up with the red euro larvae. And they'll come up and you hit the bottom. We're fishing 40 feet of water out there, and you, you bounce that thing off the bottom, that flasher, and you move it around a little bit down there and stir up that bottom. And I'll tell you, when they come in and hit them things, the fight's not. I mean, we, Wednesday, they, they were, they were nice tulipies. Thursday, they were big, big tulipies. I mean, they're, the, and we fished the same area, but the, the Thursday tulipies were a lot bigger, a lot thicker, a lot nicer. But we had, Oh, I suppose we had five or six limits. We had a, had a few old gentlemen that were fishing by us that were from up in uh, north of Mille Lacs there. And they were watching us over there catching fish, so we went over there and, oh, we had Tony go over there, and uh, he showed them what to do and how to do it. And they ended up taking their 20 home, so everybody, everybody was happy. Dickie, you know, people want to go out and do this. Now is the time to do it. That's nice weather. Dickie's got roads plowed all the way out on, on the east side. I'm sure Terry maybe on the other side got, but you call around and talk to the bait store people. These tulipies are so much fun to catch. And, you, and we got some big jumbo perch right along with them. We caught a big big northern in one day. Mikey come out there, Dickie's worker there, and he caught a big northern, I don't know, I suppose uh, 15, 20 pounds, somewhere in there. So, I mean, yeah, we it's, it, I mean, we were. I was out fishing with some gals this morning. There was four gals that wanted to go fishing this morning, so I took them over to Lake Stand there. And... We caught some panfish and a few crappies, and we had a good time. And I mean, it's nice weather. You you don't need much. I fished out of my truck door all morning to support it again. Yeah, it's really uh, getting to be some nice weather in there. And of course, we got to mention be safe out there. It's kind of getting to almost uh, four wheeler season, especially here around the metro. I know a lot of the landings are getting chewed up uh, pretty good. But yeah, like you mentioned, if you've never tulipy fished. I've only done it a couple of times, but what's really fun about it is, I mean, the action when they're biting and they're they coming in those big schools. I mean, it's almost like crappie or sunfish, and I mean, they just boom one after another. As soon as you can get it down there, there's another one there. Well, you know, you got your we had you know we're all using Bexlars, and and you can you can watch them, you can see your 
your your flasher up on top and your little your little jig down on the bottom. And when them fish come in there, I mean it lights it up for you know five six feet off the bottom. I mean there's just tons of them down there. And what they're doing a lot of times, you can feel them hit hitting your hitting your blind, and you think you're hitting your jig, but they're not. They're hitting that. They're they're going after that flasher that we put. Mm -hmm. And what I've been using is. You can buy flashers from custom jigs, but they got a flasher that, that threads through your line with a couple of rubber pieces on each end, which I got some on, on some rods. Or I take a, a flutter spoon that custom jigs has been making. They got every different color. The hottest one we had out there, the flutter spoon one, was the, it was the glow red. And mm -hmm. for some reason, and the jigs we were using all, all glue, they were all glowing. And but you had to cover the hookup on them jigs with them your larvae, or they would yeah. not. Well, the full meal deal, as you call it, you got to give them something to get excited about. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to load them up, give them the full meal deal. And, and I mean, we had, you know, we drove, we, we got probably two shows. Uh, we got a show on Wednesday, a show on Thursday, and, and Tom will be telling me when they're going to air that, but it's going to be on one of the outdoor channels. I mean, everybody caught fish. I mean, everybody had fun. We even had we even had some locals that were were out there that come over by fish us. We got them on film. So I and I mean, it's easy to do. I mean, you call Dick or you call one of the resort guys. They'll take you out there. They'll show you. You know, they'll give you a quick lesson how to do it. It's not hard to catch them. But I'll yep. tell you what, they're sure good when you smoke them. Huh? We've had we've had plenty of them smoked already this winter. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, hold you to that, and you're gonna have to prove that to me and invite me up there when the big uh, smokeout happens, and and I'll be sure to come and uh, down about five ten pounds of those for you and get rid of them for you. Well, I don't know, I don't know. We'd have, probably have to call your fiance to see if she'll let you out of the house. <laughs> uh, here we go. We're gonna have a lot of fun today. It's gonna be a lot of BS for you listeners out there today. I mean, we are gonna get into you know some good tactics and techniques and uh, good information. But our good friend Tim Lesmeister is going to be joining us here for most of the show. He'll be joining us here in a couple of minutes. He writes for the Outdoor News. Um, he writes for many other publications and uh, takes a lot of pictures. He's a world traveler. He uh, does blogging. He does uh, photographing. And he's, he's a real good storyteller. And I, I chatted with him a little bit before the uh, show here. And a few of the things we're going to be chatting about, Kudak, uh, you know, he likes to get in that little kayak, so we're going to chat a little spring crappie action via kayak or canoe and kind of get in those little nooks or crannies. We're also, I know this will get you going, uh, the wolves at Isle Royal, they're reintroducing them, so we're going to chat that a little bit. And uh, he had a good article here a couple of weeks ago on the Outdoor News. If you haven't checked it out, you can find it on OutdoorNews.com. But uh, where all the big fish have gone? Now, you see them all the time on Facebook, you know, the wall mounters and stuff. But, you know, I was talking with my dad about this, and just to wrap up this segment here, but, uh, you know, how, how it used to be easier to catch fish than it is now, even though we have all these electronics and all these gadgets. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you've got everything you need now. I mean, Pretty soon you won't, you won't even have to go fishing for them. Electrons will put them in the boat for you. But what I'm saying is it seemed like it was easier when we didn't have all this stuff. So I don't know if that's fishing pressure or uh, just uh, people are getting less uh, dedicated to the sport or what it is. But I'm sure Les Meister, he'll have uh, some good insight on that too. Well, I don't think people are, 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 are revealing their secret like they used to. Well, that could be part of it too. But uh, I, I think a lot of people learned through the years 
not to tell them where they're going. If they're, if they're going to tell you, they're going to tell you somewhere else. They're not going to tell you that, oh, yeah, I caught them over here on Lake Sylvia when you caught them on Buffalo Lake. Yeah. Because I mean, then you got hundred. You know, people, people are getting smarter. I mean, I don't. I don't tell people where I'm going anymore. I mean, well, that's why you have the Lake X and the Lake Ys and the Lake Stands because then nobody really knows where you're going. That's exactly right. Because as soon as you <laughs> tell them, I mean, I used to do it years ago when I, well, you know, driving a lot. Where'd you catch some big walleyes? Where'd you go? Well, I was on a, uh, you know, seven mile. I was on a Saguchi, or you know, I was, you know, I was over here on the gravel. Well, pretty soon you tell one guy, there's 900 guys up there, and then you can't get to your spot with your customers. Well, that's where, that's where, like, especially in the winter, you put the decoy house out there. See, you put a couple of those out there, and then people think that's the hot spot because there's a bunch of houses there, and really they're just old houses that are sitting there the whole year that nobody fishes out of. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, or you put somebody else's name on the house. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get into all that and more. Uh, also going to be chatting about the big smallies up there at Mille Lacs, uh, some late ice fishing stuff and uh, all that and more. And uh, we'll get into some storytelling as well. We also got plenty of things. We got RV shows going on, car shows going on. Um, the Deer Hunters Association, they got a fundraiser coming up in uh, Ottertail County. Fly Fishing Expo, the sports show's coming up. And uh, fundraiser for that Willie the Walleye up in Bodette, too. We got to talk about that, Kudak. So uh, we'll do all that and more when we continue here on Outdoor Adventures. Our good friend Tim Lesmeister will join us next. If you'd like to join the conversation, 651-989-5855, This is Outdoor Adventures on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the iHeartRadio app. Spring is almost over and the summer's coming. The days are getting long. I played it for you, Kudak. Now I gotta sing along. Let's hear it. What's that? I was singing to her. I was singing that song to her this morning when we were going fishing. Well, let's hear. Let's hear the pipes. I want to hear your your singing style. Ain't quite where well, you ruined your voice last night, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, Kiduk requested that one, a little nitty-gritty dirt band, Fishing in the Dark, always a classic here on Outdoor Adventures, Twin Cities News Talk. And uh, we got plenty to talk about. The next half hour, we're going to be chatting with our good friend, uh, Tim Lesmeister. And he was just telling me, Kudak, you know, it it was an all right day, sunny in 84, nice cool breeze off the water. So uh, let's bring in the little scoundrel. Tim Lesmeister, <laughs> how are we doing, buddy? <laughs> hey, good. I want, I, want, I want you to know that Chris does like country music, but his favorite music is going to actually be, I mean, it's brand new. I just read it this morning on Amazon.com. There are Amazon <laughs> Prime members can get Amazon music now, and they're starting a new station just for Kuduk. It is going to be classic hip-hop. Chris, <laughs> they've got it for you now, baby. Classic yeah, yeah, well, I'm still waiting for you to... You know, since you're out in Hawaii doing the yoga thing, sitting up on the on the deal there strumming your guitar, I'm still waiting for my Malax Anthem song for me. 
I'll come up with something, but it's going to now classic hip hop. Can you believe it? Your favorite guy, Snoop Dogg, is going to be one of the guys that they feature on this new radio station. I thought that was the name of his last girlfriend, actually. Oh, I know that's true, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you guys be nice now. Yeah. I I thought she had a beauty mark one time, just like Cindy Cropper's, but then uh, Chris told me, no, that was just a wood tick. (laughs) (laughs) He said he tried to burn it off with a cigarette, but then he singed her beard. It was crazy. Oh, man. Here we go. We're getting. I got to give Larry the Cable Guy credit for that one. That's a good joke. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, he is. The Cable Guy, one of my favorites. He is uh, definitely funny. So you're out in. the beautiful uh, area where you at Maui? Is that where you're at? I'm on Maui. I am yep. on Maui right now. That is correct. So you've been doing some fishing uh, out there, and I know the dough balls. It sounds like it's been uh, been uh, working pretty well for you. But let's uh, get some information out to our listeners here uh, back on the homeland here. And uh, one thing I wanted to chat with you about with spring coming up and the warmer weather and all that, I know you're one of those guys, and you've been nice enough to take me out a couple of times in the kayak, and it's a great time in the spring to go kind of hit those nooks and crannies when that ice uh, finally gets off. So uh, why don't you give a little insight on uh, how you work that and uh, what your techniques are? Well, I'm gonna I'm just going to tell them about our first uh, trip out in the kayaks after ice out. Uh, when uh, Stan and I actually took a couple of the Hobies, and we went into the, some of the backwaters on Lake Minnetonka. Now, what you've got is a situation where a lot of these fish are looking for, the, you know, they're basically looking for something to eat, and all of these, these minnows, all of the forage, is heading back in where the warmest water is, and that's into these real shallow backwaters. Some of these areas you can't even get into by boat. Where we were at, you've got to go through culverts, and we would be laying back in our kayaks as we go through these round metal tubes into these backwaters and as deep and and as far back as you can go. We did really well, didn't we? We did, and unfortunately, uh, my belly's growing a little bit, so I don't know if I can fit through that other culvert anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a tight fit. I really, I really have to lean back now, yeah. We're fishing in water that could be as shallow as six inches deep, not six feet, six inches and and typically, you know, it, it's deeper than that. You're talking three, four, five feet of water. But it's perfect for a very small watercraft like a kayak because, you know, this is where the fish are after the ice goes out. A lot of these big crappies, and we're talking big crappies and big bluegills, are moving back in there where no one can get at them unless you've got a watercraft like that. Well, are you going to be back for the Ron Chair Fishing Contest over at Fletcher's? We might have to get them Kobe's out. You know, that would not be a bad idea. I'm not exactly sure. I've got to, I've got to look at the date. I've got a, a trip set up to go down to Florida to do some flats fishing. That's a, a perfect time of the year to get into some of those big pompano and jacks. So, you know, you kind of go where the bite, you go where the bite is hot. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at these days. And, and uh, if I'm there for that, that would be actually a great idea because what I would probably do is I would drop in at Maxwell's Bay in my kayak, and I would kick all the way up into that little upper arm there, north arm, and and it, and you can even get once you get up there, you can even go through. It's a it's a very small little uh, it's a creek almost that that comes in the north arm, and right in front of that creek in the shallows is very very good right after ice out and we can actually get up in there because i'll bet there's a lot of fish that move up into that 
that little stretch of narrow water as well. Yeah, you're probably it's talking a, Painter's a Creek up there, I'm guessing. That's exactly right. Yep. Do you, exactly do you right. have one with a trolling motor on it? You could put a trolling motor on those kayaks, absolutely. As a matter of fact, they do have some that you can drop right in where the kicks are, and you can actually get up there. I have some... I have some duck boats too. Some of the the, the uh, they're kind of a canoe. I call them. I don't know what you call them. I'd have to. I'd have to get you the the, the right brand. I kind of like a hybrid type them, thing. You know, a couple of years ago, and don't even remember what they're called. But you throw electric trolling motors on those babies, and, and it's just like being in a in a tiny watercraft as well. There's so many things you can do in small watercraft: paddle kayaks, kick kayaks. I don't care what you have. You you are going to be miles ahead of all the other anglers when you can get in. And, and here's another one, and this is something else that, that Stan and I did, is you can get into lakes that have had zero fishing pressure because there's no public access to speak of. There's a lake up in Wyzetta called Gleason Lake, and we actually threw our kayaks on portage wheels, and we walked a quarter mile down the loose line trail and put the kayaks in there right where the two basins meet the walking trail, that's legal, and we fished that lake. I mean, there's some monster, monster fish in that lake. Yeah, we did have some monster bass and some monster northerns. I remember it well, and that's well, the, the beauty of the kayak. And pan fish in there, too, after ice out, so you got that option as well. And the beauty of the kayak is, like you say, you're so nimble, especially in that, that kicker one you got with the pedals. You know, you can you can keep yourself moving. You make a few casts, you kind of get right along the weed line, you know, and cast into the bulrushes if you're, you know, doing some bass or whatever. Get into that real shallow water where you're in a boat, you know, you might be able to get into those little nooks and crannies on the edges or the entrances, but you can't actually get into the nook and cranny. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I've got a lake out in the West Metro, Zumbra, and it's not got a real good public access, so you don't get the bigger boats out there. But right after the ice is out, and, and it's a really good time to to get into that that areas where the, the vegetation is it's just starting to come up, but the water's real shallow. And what you're doing is you're fishing pockets of old vegetation where these fish can still get into some cover and hide from those big northern pike, because you know a big pike will swim around and look for anything that they can get. And it could be a two-pound crappie. They don't care. They'll eat that. So everything's hiding in the spring. So anywhere that you can find some cover, even if it's old, brown, dewy, rotten vegetation, you can find pockets. And one of the things that I do is I put on a bobber. It can be a slip bobber or it can be even a little clip bobber because you're not fishing very deep. And I use a 1-16th or a 1-32nd-ounce hair jig. They're called flu-flus, a lot of different names for them. And I fish that about two, maybe two and a half feet below the bobber, and I just cast those out to the pockets in those in that old gungy vegetation, and just twitch the bobber, and they'll get that jig twitching, and boom, big sunfish, big crappies. They're they're there right after the ice is out. Oh, you especially when you're fishing the where the where the sun's beating on them, it's warming everything up. But like you said, the the old vegetation is still there, but the new stuff is starting to come in, and the, the minnows, the bugs, everything's in there. So that's where the fish are going to be. Oh, absolutely. You know, and you're right. A lot of people say key on the north side of the lake, and the reason they're saying that is because, you know, that's where you get the bulk of that that low sun and the 
and it heats up those dark bottom bays, and you can, you know, you're going to get fish there because that's where they're all heading. That's where they're all going. Tim Lesmeister is our guest. Uh, he writes for the Outdoor News, and I want to get into an article about that. You wrote here a couple of weeks ago after the break here about where all the big fish have gone. We'll get into that with our friend Tim Lesmeister, also Chris Kudak, joining us back in. And uh, we might get him going, too, because we're going to chat about a little bit of wolves coming up here, too, with our friend Tim Lesmeister. Chris Kudak, Stan Poggle here on Outdoor Adventures, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the Radio app. the second half of Outdoor Adventures already here on Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130, FM 103.5 and the iHeartRadio app. Chris Kudak joining me, Stan Poggle, and our good friend Tim Lesmeister from the Outdoor News from sunny Maui. It's pretty sunny here today, though, what, upper 40s, so it's oh, it's getting wow. there. <laughs> I, pretty soon I'm going to have that motorcycle out, so you better look yeah. out, Lesmeister, the next time you, you get will. back I into town. When there's still snow. Yeah, why not? I'm kidding you. I, I, I've seen you. It's crazy. You're nuts. Yeah, as long as there's a, long as the roads are dry, uh, I, I'm all for it. So uh, let's I'll get tell you what. I was out fishing all week, Tim, catching tulipies on the lax. We did some shows with Porcus Outdoors, and I laughed because you were sitting outside fishing, catching tulipies, a nice sunny day, and I walk into the place on uh, Thursday morning and pick the guys up to take them. And every one of them looked like they were sitting in a suntan booth. Their face, everybody's face was pure red. <laughs> I said, no what? Kidding. I said, you guys got suntan. Oh, yeah. You, you, you just don't understand how, how much sun is out there and how hot. And, I mean, it was cool out there. We were fishing. We had a wind. But, I mean, our faces were all red. I mean, it looks like we've been, you know, we've been sitting outside for, for a month. That's funny. I would have liked to have seen them without their shirts on because it would have been a glowing white with this glazed <laughs> red face. It would have exactly. Been hilarious. That happened to my buddy here a couple of years ago. We were up, uh, I think it was actually on Minnetonka. We were out uh, late in the season, and uh, it was about 50, 60 degrees, and there was still enough ice to get out there. And we sat out there and fished all day, and we had our shirts off and everything. And he went back to school the next day, and he sent us a picture. And, oh, man, it looked like he got mauled by a bear. I mean, his face was all puffed up and <laughs> blisters and scabs, and oh, he had a rough one. I always like to, I always like to see the guy who calls in sick, and then the next day when he shows up for work, he's got a suntan, suntan face with those <laughs> with the white glasses, you know. Uh, yeah, the raccoon rimming eyes, rimming his eyes. Yeah, you know, the, the the whole the whole outline of the glasses. Yeah, that's that. Look at him, and you go, oh, you were sick, huh? Yeah, that's a good look. We're running out of time here, so I don't want to waste too much time uh, BSing here. But one thing I wanted to ask you about is you wrote an article here for the Outdoor News a couple of weeks ago about where have all the big fish gone? And, you know, we Kudak and I talk about this all the time about, you know, this lake's got this slot, that lake's got that slot, you know, this inch to that inch and one over this and one over that. But, you know, I was chatting with my old man. He came up to fish with me here a few weeks ago and, he he said something that was kind of interesting, and I kind of related it a little bit to your article. It wasn't exactly what your article was talking about, but, you know, as far as all the big fish have gone, but where have all the fish gone? Because he was saying, you know, when he was young, you'd go out with Grandpa, you know, and if the walleyes weren't biting, guess what? The crappies were biting. If the, 
crappies weren't biting, the bass were biting. If the bass weren't biting, the northerns were biting. And they had no vexlars, they had no hummingbirds, they had no, you know, pretty much a rowboat and a stick with a string on the end of it with a plain hook. And, you know, just catching them hand over fist. And I thought it was interesting uh, uh, how your article kind of, you know, cued on that a little bit, but also on, you know, the bigger fish and are we doing the right thing with catch and release and all that. So uh, let uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your article and how, how that works. Well, basically, I agree with your dad because I think what he is seeing right now is that fishing pressure has taken its toll on the resources. And they try to negate this by putting in these special regulations that have these slot limits but what's happening is is that the slot limits allow you to take certain fish in a range and then what happens is those fish get taken out very quickly and then all you're fishing for are one or two of those and and 25 of those that are outside of the slot that you can't keep and so so what happens is, is everybody keeps everything that is that is within that slot where they can keep them. And a lot of times, one of those fish will be, they'll say, well, you can keep one over 28 inches for walleye, or you can keep one over 30 inches for northern pike, or you can keep a smallmouth bass over 20 inches. But the problem is, as people do, when we were seeing all those stringer shots that were coming out of Mille Lacs after they shut down the walleyes, well, it would be four fish that were in the slot and one monster. So you'd see five fish up there on the bragging board, and there'd always be that one super pig. So yeah. those fish are gone. They, they leave the system because of fishing pressure. If they really wanted to be good for the resource, what they would do is they would have what I call roving slots, where one year it's a keep slot here and the next year it's a keep slot here. So you keep the, the, the size structure mixed, and you don't let anybody keep anything over a certain size because then – you keep the big fish in the system, and those are the ones that are your best procreators. But if so you I have too many big fish... slot limits is destroying the resource. I guarantee you, Kuduk, that the smallmouth bass fishing is going to go to hell in a handbasket here. In, in seven, eight, nine, ten years, you won't have anything near what you had five years ago. Well, I, I, I'll agree. I've been saying that from day one. Now, you know, the, the people... You're buying a license in the state, and I had a guy, gentleman, call me yesterday when I was going up fishing. He's from Oklahoma, and they got they've been coming up with me for now for the last oh, four or five years. And you know, these there's four or five boats, two guys in a the boat. They go out and they catch a hundred small mouth. They they don't keep a lot. They keep a couple here and there. Other than that, they throw them back. But you you can't keep catching them fish over and over again and thinking they're going to live. I mean, they're going to die sooner or later. Well, there's definitely going to be some delayed mortality, without a doubt. But I do believe that that releasing a large fish is actually good for the resource. I take a look at Shawamigan Bay as a good example up in Lake Superior. I fish that a lot. And we've got a situation up there where you cannot keep a single smallmouth bass unless it is over 22 inches. You've got your one trophy amount. Now, you know, does that disagree with what I'm saying? To a certain extent, it does. But the bottom line is, is you rarely, rarely ever catch a smallmouth bass over 22 inches. And those that do, 95% of the time do release them. So almost every smallmouth that gets caught in Schwamigan Bay goes back into the water. And they do a lot of tagging studies up there. And I catch a lot of fish with tags 
So I get a lot of information that I'm building up here. And what I've discovered is that if you have a really strong limit, like they have up in Chihuahuan Bay, and like they had on Lake Malax before they changed it, and like what they have in a lot of lakes around the country where they, they know that they've got certain species that need a lot of protection, you can create trophy fisheries. But the DNR in Minnesota don't seem to care about trophy fisheries, and they sure enough don't really understand how to adapt their slots so that they work. So I really feel like we've lost our big fish, and in a lot of lakes we've kind of lost our fishing in general where, where they get a lot of pressure and where you get a lot of harvest. Your well, dad was but, right, Stan. Well, I was, well, I was asking, though, too, wanted to ask is, you know, you keep all these big fish. Obviously, you know, it's just like people, big people eat more food than, than the little people. So isn't that going to affect the biology of the lake, too, if you got all 30-pound wall or 30-inch walleyes and no 20-inchers and all the 30-inchers eat up the small ones and there's no little ones left to come put in the frying pan either? So, you know, in my opinion, it's you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I understand exactly what you're saying there, but what you have to realize is that the uh, you're not going to damage that resource by taking a, a, a certain size structure out of the lake unless you do it every year over and over and over again until there's none of those left. And that's what they've done in Mille Lacs. That's what they're doing on other lakes. And by leaving your bigger fish in there, your trophy fish, there's not going to be many of those in there because a lot of these fish don't ever get that big. They die off long before they get to that true trophy status. And you also have to remember when you have big fish, and you never have a ton of big fish in a, in a, in a resource, in a fishery, when you, but when you do have a decent amount of big fish, you also have big fish in the other side structure in the other species as well bigger crappies bigger bluegills bigger perch bigger bass and that's just the way it works and, and, and you also got to remember i actually got to put in the factor they got the nets of the lake and that the nets of the lake are taking a lot of them spawners and you know it's putting the toll besides the, the pressure that really, I mean, there's not a lot of pressure for walleye fishing anymore because you can't keep it. I talked to a gentleman here the other day, 73 years old, and he's a trapper, traps bait, lives up south of Mille Lacs. He goes, don't even go there no more. Don't even go there. And I mean, he's totally, not even that, five miles away from Lake. He said, don't even, he says, so much politics there. He said, don't even want to go there. And he goes, to, yeah, he, goes to, he goes, he goes, go to other lakes. And I mean, you, you look through back when I, when I, when I was at West Shore Resort back years ago and look at all the fish houses we used to pull out, we used to take care of and privates and rentals. And there, there's not even a third on the lake anymore. And fishing was good this winter. Everybody caught a lot of fish. Yeah. And you know what? And you're right. The, the, the lake is out of balance, but, but if you know what you're doing, like you do, Chris, then you can actually work around that balance problem that they have i look at all the other lakes in the state and i, and I see that there are a, a bunch of lakes that they're trying to manage for large northern pike yet they still allow big ones to be taken they've got that little you can take one over 30 inches that's wrong they shouldn't allow that they, they're trying to manage some lakes for big bass well they allow you to take bass over 18 inches or 20 inches out of there that's wrong they shouldn't allow any if you want to manage the lake for big fish 
then don't allow any big fish to be harvested. It's just the way it's got to be. But going back to the old school, like my old man and even even myself, I mean, I'm not out there, you know, catching a limit every day. If it's a hot bite, well, I can't do that anyway because I can't. I'm not that good a fisherman. But if I would, ah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? A lot of people want to go out and you know. When I go out, if I catch one or two walleye, I mean, that's good enough for a meal or two for me, you know, and that's all I want. But a lot with these slots, it's, like you say, it's almost impossible. I mean, a 20 to 22-inch slot, I mean, heck, you might as well go to Vegas and put it on red or black. Absolutely. But, you know, let's take a look at a lake like Minnetonka, big west metro lake. There's no slot limits on that lake. There's, you know, it's basically you're operating off of the, the standard uh, fish harvest levels, and yet there seems to be a real nice balance to that lake. It doesn't hurt that the lake's full of milfoil. The fish got a lot of cover and, and such. But I'm telling you right now that the, uh, the lakes that don't have a lot of stringent regulations seem to be a lot better balanced than the ones that do. What I would do is I would have across the board uh, regulations where you do not get to keep any large fish on any body of water in the state if you want to create some lakes that have some bigger fish. So you don't keep any pike over 30 inches. You don't keep any walleyes over 27 inches. You don't keep any crappies over, let's say, 16 inches. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those deals where if you want big fish, you got to feed the resource. Exactly. Well, Tim, uh, we got to let you go because I know you have some family to get to, but I appreciate right. your time as always, and it's always a good conversation and fun time. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Take her easy. When you get back right. to That is uh, Tim Lesmeister. He writes for the Outdoor News. You can find his uh, columns there on OutdoorNews.com. Always a fun conversation with him. Uh, we can continue this conversation because it's an interesting one, Kudak, and I want to get a little more... Uh, insight on what you think about that we kind of got a lot of out of lesmeister there because he had to get rolling but uh, i kind of want to get your opinion on that uh, i guess back in the good old days we'll call it um and we'll have that when we come back and uh, do a rundown of some events coming up to the area as well when outdoor adventures continues here on twin cities news talk am 1130 fm 103.5 and the free iheart radio app too long it's going to be a long wait for that ice to melt off but looking forward to my uh, first poontoon ride here uh coming up here very shortly kudak how about yourself well i got a feeling we got about a month or two before we it's gonna even think about it. we got three feet of ice up here so it's good plus we got a lot of snow in the lake yet so i mean it's gonna be a while unless we get some rain and some Really hot weather. It's going to be a late ice out, I believe. Boy, what a party pooper you are. I'm all gung-ho for summer and riding motorcycle and going for walks and getting on the boat and doing some open-water fishing, and you come up with three feet of ice. Well, you know, it was. <laughs> you look at the weather this morning, Lake of the Woods, it was uh, one below. Yeah, that's insane. That's a, that's a different world up in that neck of the woods. And, uh, you know, they got, the, you know, they're... They're oh, four feet up open. there. Their walleye season's over, open up there. It's border water, so you know, uh, uh, you know, we can still go up there and catch walleyes up there. So, I mean, but I'm having so much fun catching tulipies over here on Malaxa. Uh, you know, it's 
if a, if a, like I said, if a guy has never done it, and when we when these shows come out, I'll make sure you get a DVD of this or a disc of this deal. I mean, it, it was, we had a good time. We had a lot of a lot of people showed up out there fishing. They were locals, and we got them on film catching fish, and, and it, it was a fun time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because we got. I know we did a promo for those guys too here that time I was up there. I'm looking forward to seeing my ugly. Well, not really looking forward to seeing my ugly mug on camera, but uh, it's always interesting anyway. But uh, let's go back to what we were talking about with our friend Tim Lessmeister here in the previous segment, as far as you know, big fish, trophy fish, and just fish in general. I mean, maybe maybe it's always you know the old memories are better than the new ones. I don't know, but. You know, like I was mentioning to Tim, is back in the day it seemed like if one thing wasn't biting, you'd go on to the next, and there was always something biting. And, you know, compared to the technology, like we always talk here on Outdoor Adventures, Kudak, you know, I sit on my couch, pull up my Navionics, like, okay, we're going to this lake or we're going to Minnetonka. Okay, what are we fishing for? Okay, I'm going to go to this spot. I hit a pin on my phone. There's the spot. We go out. We jump on our trucks, drive off the landing, and ride out there or in the boat. We get get in the boat, drive right to that pin that I marked on my couch a couple hours earlier. And it's so much easier to find the spots and to locate the spots rather than, oh, it's next to the big oak tree that's hanging into the water, that's next to the you know purple pontoon, uh, next to the green barn type of thing. Wow. But yet it seems like you catch less fish now than we did back then. Well, I, I think people now with electronics and they're, they're, I mean, back, back when I started driving, you know, driving launches, my small boats back here, we had a flasher. That's all we had, the compass. And we used landmarks. Well, now it's so easy. I could sit in my driveway, put my big hummingbird units on with my Navionics chips in, punch where I want to go, one spot, what looking cranny, boom, boom. I get there, throw my boat in, you know, turn the units on and off I go. And, and you and, and I think people get into the spot where they won't move. Once they're there, they're thinking that you know if they're not biting there, they're biting somewhere else on the flat. Or there's a you know you got to find the school, you got to move. And people people don't do that. I don't think. I don't think people are really moving as much as they should be. They kind of you know old memories or what you want to call it. You know, I caught them here last year, so I'll go yeah. back there and do it again. But at the same time, you know, my old man, he was in a rowboat. Well, you can't you can't row across Lake Malax very quickly. I'll put it that way. You're gonna your arms are gonna fall off before you get to the other side of the lake and try another spot. So that's what I'm saying. Now we got 350 horse motors. You can fly across that lake in five minutes. You oh, know, so yeah, yeah, so I think we are moving more. But I, is it the fishing pressure? Is it I? This is what I think, and I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I think that the DNR and, and the biologists, they have it down to such a T that they know, okay, we're going to have X amount of fish for X amount of anglers. So we got, let's just say, 5 million anglers in the state of Minnesota. Let's just say, nice round number. Okay, so we're going to have you know 50 million fish for those 5 million people to catch. And they keep the the lakes such with the slot limits or the over 28s or under 28s or two over 22 or whatever it is, they keep it to a point to where it's a real challenge to catch that fish now where back maybe when you were my age or when you were a kid, you know, they didn't have all this information and they're just like, well, let them go out and catch them. Well, back, back, when, you know, we could keep six walleyes back in the day, no slot limits, no nothing, uh, you know, 
Our license fees were. I mean, you you got to remember our our government, our DNR. They they jack all the prices up on this stuff for families. I mean, it's like and we talked about this. Yeah, but the prices doesn't have nothing to do with catching the fish. What I'm saying, I don't want to get into that whole. That's a whole nother show. What I'm saying is, is it seemed a hell of a lot easier to catch a fish 20 years ago or 30 years ago when I was a young uh, scrapping whippersnapper than it is now. Well, there probably was. And how can that how can that be when we have all this electronics? We got the fancy lines, the fancy rods and reels. You know, everything everything is quicker, faster, better, but yet it's harder to catch fish. And that's where I'm saying I think they like somehow manipulate the population of the lake, so it is hard to catch a fish rather than just oh I'm going to go out fishing and I'm going to catch. You know, my five walleyes or my two walleyes or I'm going to catch ten sunfish or I'm going to catch three northerns. They make it so it's very difficult to catch fish whether you move or not. Well, you know, this winter has been an awful good winter for us. I mean, we went to Lake Stand there numerous times, caught a lot of sunfish. I mean, and this lake's been producing sunfish for I don't know, 25, 30 years. I mean, I've talked to some old guys that fish this lake for years, and, I mean, this lake gets piss-pounded hard. I mean, there's everybody and their brother out there. There's Sometimes there's, there's I, I would say, a thousand fish houses on this little mud hole. And, I mean, and it keeps producing. But, again, you know, we were fishing there. We'd be in roadkill. We are fishing there one, one afternoon, and we had our, our, our limit of, of big sunnies. We had a few crappies. Guy pulls up alongside of me. Hoggers a whole two guys that are hooping an hour and they pull out a two pound sunfish. I mean, a monster. And, you know, I don't think people are telling you that, I don't think people tell you that, that, oh yeah, we're catching fish. They don't tell you anymore. I mean, people, people are getting smarter and smarter. I mean, that's why I got Lake Stan, I got Lake X, I got Lakes Y, I got Lake Sally, I got Lake Susie. I don't tell anybody where I'm going anymore. Well, I, I, I personally think it's just, there's less fishing pressure. I think that has a lot to do with it because because of the advances in technology, that guy that maybe didn't fish before and had to go out and fish all day to find one spot where he caught a fish now can, you know, pull up on his Navionics or on his on his uh, radar, you know, and pick out five spots he wants to try for that day, and he fishes the first one, fishes there for a half hour, boom, nothing, boom, cranks up his 300-horse motor, flies over, you know, to the other bay and hits that one for a half hour, nothing there, boom, flies over to the next point, hits that point, boom, hits the next point, where back in the day you didn't have that luxury of being able to fly from point to point, and it seemed like you catch more fish. So, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but it just seems like it's uh, getting harder and harder. Yeah, I, I think it's people, I don't think people are fishing as hard as they used to, and I don't, you know, they, they do got all like tracks. But, uh, you know, people, they're going to the smaller lakes. They're not going. And people don't really tell you what they're catching. People are pretty quiet nowadays. They don't want everybody Joe Bull going there. But anyways, before we run out of time, you brought up about that deal about the wolves up there on that island. Yeah, we got one minute. All right. Well, if they got a problem with, 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 with all these moose up there, instead of putting wolves on the ice, when them moose are old enough to tranquilize and do whatever, why don't they bring them up to the northern Minnesota and let them go? We got no moose up in west, northwestern Minnesota. Trap them moose if it's overpopulated, bring them up here and transplant them. Simple. You don't need more wolves. 
make some hats out of them wolves. Yeah, but that's going to cost money to transport them. You're just whining about the taxes, so that's going to cost us more money too. So I, you just can't win, can you? No, no. It's uh, <laughs> you know, he, we're getting raises every time you turn around. He wants to raise taxes, raise taxes, raise taxes. I give up. I say you get a motorcycle and uh, forget about it all and just uh, go on a cruise, Kudak. It'll be good for your health. I think it'll buy a three-wheeler with a sidecar. There you go. Take her easy, buddy. That is legendary guide and freshwater fishing Hall of Famer Chris Kudak. I'm Stan Poggle, average everyday outdoorsman and uh, two-time reigning bottle bass champion. Enjoy your time in the outdoors. Black Republican, Black Democrat coming up at the top of the hour here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the IR Radio app.